A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So, thanks for your time today, Costa. And Neil is going to join us separately, but it's so very powerful to hear from the two of you who have, like with yourself, such a vast experience in the field of mental health. Just a lazy 29 years uh, working in areas from depression to schizophrenia and specialising in complex trauma, PTSD and personality disorders. And then in speaking to Neil, Neil's unfortunately got lived experience with PTSD after years working with Victoria Police. Uh, There's many of us Uh, that have had or been diagnosed with PTSD, but there's also many more who are trying to deal with it but either can't admit that they're struggling, they don't know or can't understand what's wrong with them, or they're trying to manage as best they can with days of hopelessness and helplessness. But with uh, Costa and Rob, uh, Neil, well, we'll hear from uh, the horse's mouth, we'll hear from Neil later. But I suppose today, Costa, we're piggybacking my discussion with Rob Blazard. And for those who have missed it, Rob is a former Victorian policeman, having served 33 years before walking out the door a dedicated but damaged detective who knew after being involved in the Burke Street investigation that he was finished and too damaged to return to a job that he loved. Rob initially went down the traditional path of CBT treatment, uh, cognitive behaviour therapy, to help deal with his demons, which were diagnosed as PTSD. But then he discovered NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. We all react differently and recover differently to trauma and Rob found NLP was a perfect fit for him to the point that he's now a master NLP practitioner and master conscious hypnosis practitioner. So Rob met Costa, today's guest, during a course they were both part of which included sessions on NLP, which is a lesser known treatment for those dealing with trauma. And Rob and Costa both left that course determined to educate and offer another option to those in the community dealing with trauma. Rob and Costa have recently completed an NLP trial where 10 members made up of Victoria Police, the armed forces and from within the prison system agreed to take part and Costa is going to share with us today some learnings from the trial and what they can now offer as another option. Uh, so thanks for your time today, Costa, and for what you've done in giving us PTSD sufferers uh, another option to consider uh, when other more traditional methods, I suppose, aren't as effective as we'd hoped. Personally, I found the traditional method of CBT worked really well with me, but there's others out there who it doesn't work for, and what you are offering gives hope to those 
who believe that they've tried everything to no avail. So uh, welcome, Costa, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> You're very welcome, Narelle, and uh, thank you for having me here so we can talk about this and help um, people even more than what they have been helped before. So it's, a, it's an honour and a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, well, I I know that we will help people, Costa, and that's, as you say, that's why we're here. So, Costa, you uh, have been in this, in the uh, field of psychology, let's say, for 29 years. What was it that drew you into that world of psychology? In all honesty, um, it, it was um, it was partly a selfish reason. Um, I wanted to understand why people... Um, think and feel the way that we do from when I was about 13 years old. Uh, And by the time I hit 16 years of age, um, I really wanted to find out what it was that made me think the way that I was and uh, process the world the way that I was living in. So um, I thought that what better way to actually get into that um, than study the, the field of of psyche, of the of the soul and the spirit and uh, behavior and all of those things. So it was partly because I was curious about the world, but more importantly, I have to say it was a selfish reason uh, because I wanted to understand myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call that selfish. <laughs> I think I, I just think I'm the same, Costa, and I don't know why. I mean, and I've never gone into that field, but. It always interests me why people, I don't know, react the way they do, how they deal with certain things. It's uh, it's something that I, I find fascinating. And the fact that you have been doing that for 29 years, yes. you, uh, boy, you, you must have... Um, dealt with a lot of a lot of people with a lot of really complex issues yeah I, I think I've seen and, and some, whenever I say this maybe it, um, something happens that sort of catch me catches me by surprise I think I've seen the whole gambit of uh, mental <laughs> illness but you know every time I say this um, as I said some, something new comes up <laughs> and yeah, uh, I yeah. you know just because there is a lot of different conditions that have labels doesn't mean that the experience of the individual is the same for each of those conditions. It's always different. Every hour is different, I guess. Um, is that you just said then that uh, you had something that had tested you or shocked you or I can't remember the word you used, but in all those 29 years, what is something that has floored you in the past? Uh, look, something that, um, that has floored me in the past um, had to do with um, um, perpetrators of sexual violence toward um, children. And I um, yes. found it very interesting to actually deal with that. Um, and another thing that floored me in the past was the reaction of um, somebody that was having a psychotic episode during one of the sessions and the change that oh. took place in that client uh, from prior to the episode to whilst having the episode was very traumatic for me as a practitioner because um, she had thrown herself mm-hmm. on the floor. She started throwing glasses and cups and whatever she could get access at um, to me as, um, as the practitioner in the room, slamming her head on the door. Um, okay. That was very um, raw to watch and quite alarming to watch. So, you know, you can never be prepared for what, 
is going to happen um, when you're working with um, people that are having a psychotic illness or a psychotic background. So some of those are just some of the tip of the iceberg that uh, that come to memory instantly. <laughs> but there is a uh, lot more. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's amazing. And Costa, just I've never um, experienced that myself. I don't know many people that would have. What did you do? Do you just let them that episode finish, or uh, because I I always remember being told not to hold somebody down that was um say uh, having an epileptic seizure, an epileptic fit, um, and I don't know what 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 is the process when somebody is having an episode like that like that how long can that last look um the the episode lasted for about something between 15 to 20 minutes it really felt like hours um i bet it did (laughs) and you know um, as practitioners we're not supposed to be touching the the client because we have codes of ethics um of course that prevent that from taking place so i just had to uh, distance myself um, by going to the back of the room to a, a little corner and um, uh, letting the client know that what I was going to do is I was going to call the police in order for them to come and help her um, whilst, you know, covering my, my face or my body from being um, hit by any of the, in inverted commas, shrapnel that was um, floating around the room. Um, by me saying that to her in a calm voice, as calm as I could possibly um, master at the, at the moment, she was asking, please do not to call, to call the police. They're going to take me away. And while she was um, saying all these things, um, she was swearing at me. And at the same, the next breath, she was saying, I'm really sorry I'm doing this. And then she would swear her ass off, mm. part of my language, mm. and then apologize. Mm. It was a full psychotic episode from somebody who's par- paranoid schizophrenic. So all I had to do was just, uh, protect my physical body as much as possible, take the steps for um, informing the police who don't live that far um, from where it is that I'm working. Um, and yeah. that seemed to um, uh, give her enough fear to escape the room because she was at the door. Therefore, I was unable to um, remove myself yeah. from the situation. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's something that um, I suppose I had to deal with um, in the moment, because uh, you can't really be trained for um, for these kinds of um, incidents. No, no, you can't. No. And and Costa, with a psychotic episode, uh, uh, schizophrenia, uh, with an incident like that, does that woman or do people know that they are swearing and acting like that when they are? Because it seems to me they probably are because she apologised. So yeah. she knows she's, yeah, is that right? Yes. Uh, for that particular um, incident and for that individual, she was aware of what was happening, but she was um, unable to stop herself, you know, because in, in complex cases yeah. such as schizophrenia, you're, the client is being told to behave in certain ways and in inverted commas forced to behave in certain ways whilst they're still aware that they have a separate identity to or uh, to what entity in inverted commas is uh, pushing them to do whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. It's quite yeah. bizarre. God. That, wh- yes. Uh, and like you say, you're not trained uh, to protect yourself like, in a situation like that. But Costa, couldn't you make a few Oh, what's the word? Like you say, you're not supposed to touch uh, uh, clients, which I completely understand. But in a situation like that, like to protect yourself, you'd almost have to, wouldn't you? Yes. Look, if the client was to attack me, 
uh, physically, then I would have to de- defend myself um, physically. Of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was just throwing stuff at me and around the room. So there was no reason for me to actually um, go and subdue her in any sense. That could have opened up a, a whole can of worms in terms of uh, breaching codes of ethics and behavior coming under the scrutiny. So I was lucky in that sense that she did not physically attack me with her body. Um, and um, I, I suppose if, if there was such an incident to take place and where she was attacking me with um, her fists or other parts of her body, I would have every right to actually defend myself and touch her. Um, but we're not supposed mm-hmm. to be doing that. Just protect ourselves as much as possible and minimize harm without causing um, harm to the other person. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Not, and you've got to have rules, don't you? You've got to have codes of ethics, code of conduct. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to, um, well, preserving self is right. the most important one, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And and so, Costa, you are, uh, would I be right in saying you're an expert in treating PTSD? Uh, look, I don't think there is such a thing as an expert in the world. Uh, expert means yeah. that you know everything. <laughs> Um, and um, I, I specialize in, um, in PTSD and complex PTSD and uh, um, personality disorders with my main focus on PTSD and uh, complex trauma. So that, that's the focus that I've had for um, about 15, 17 years. And that's the thing that I seem to know the most about. What, what was it that interested you more than uh, other psychological issues, why PTSD? And I must say, just before you answer that, are you of the opinion, I've been trying to use the expression PTSI or PTS rather than PTSD because the word disorder has this negative uh, connotation to it. Mm -hmm. Do you go by by that? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, It's a very good point. Um, PTSD is the label that is being given according to the American Psychological Association, which is what Australia has taken on board in terms of psychology and psychotherapy. Um, yep. Lately, the uh, PTS is coming into play. Um, PTSI is coming into play. And another one that is coming into play is post-traumatic adaption. Um, that's a relatively new term um, that's been going on for about five or six years because it actually looks at how the brain and the body is adapting to the trauma itself. So it's post-trauma adaptation. Look, I'm 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 of the opinion that the labels themselves um, do not change the person's experience. Um, No. And rather than looking at labels, I go for what is the person's experience like, what are they suffering or battling with, and I work on those symptoms rather than going by a particular label because a label can actually stay with the person, whereas Mm. if I'm just focusing on the symptoms themselves, um, there is no such thing as a label that will stay. And um, that's just a cost of opinion, mind you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Clinically, I have to go with what it is that they're advocating um, currently, which is the PTSD. But I do prefer the injury aspect or the adaption aspect. Yeah, okay. Uh, and sorry, so I did interrupt you before. Uh, you were saying that you found an interest or discovered an interest in PTSD 
uh, PTS. It's hard to get my head around. I keep I keep saying PTSD. I'm trying not to. Uh, but what was what is it that piqued your interest about PTS rather than uh, schizophrenia, let's say, or another psychotic illness? I was working with um, um, some clients using the some of the more conventional methods of um, treatment for uh, for trauma. And um, I was finding that um, the techniques that existed um, were actually traumatizing for me um, mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe you can imagine day in, day out for five, six, eight hours a day listening to trauma, um, it tends to have a, an effect on you uh, no matter yes. how thick your skin is and what, no matter how many tools and coping mechanisms you have. So um, I started looking at different ways that it could be done um, so that it can avoid uh, the trauma for the therapist or practitioner, as well as um, give uh, a lot of quick help um, for the client. Now, um, mm. one of my interests in working particularly with, uh, with trauma was, like most people, um, well, actually, not like most, like many people, I had experienced my own trauma and the techniques that uh, were being used were not giving me any um, any help or any long-lasting help. So as I said um, in the beginning of our chat, um, some of these reasons of why I got into this are purely selfish. <laughs> um, okay. To understand myself and to um, maybe they are now. I said I said you weren't being selfish, but maybe you were. <laughs> no, and um, they say that you know when we go into a particular type of profession and what we specialize in is actually a reflection of what it is that we have been through. Um, yes. So that's one of the reasons that I, I can, um, I suppose I can say, yeah, I specialize in trauma. <laughs> <laughs> you have lived experience. Exactly and to be right. honest, and to be honest, Costa, I think people with lived experience in anything are far more powerful to talk about something or uh, to lecture, for instance, mm-hmm. or discuss because they've been there. And I just think it's very different to reading a book or reading, uh, you know, uh, something and becoming an expert that way rather than having lived experience. I, I don't think anything can come near lived experience in anything. I totally agree with you. Um, there are so many things that you can, uh, I mean, you can only go so far by regurgitating techniques that you, yeah. that you, that you have read or studied. Uh, and that's not to say that you have to go through a, a particular kind of um, uh, story yourself in order for you to become helpful. For some people, it can actually become a detrimental to the client's um, progress because many practitioners are putting their own stuff or their own map of the world, so to speak, onto their clients. Um, so in some cases, it can be uh, helpful to create empathy, um, yes. uh, whereas in other cases, it can become de- uh, to the detriment of the work because the practitioner is not able to separate themselves from their client. Because as I said at the beginning, we all have different experiences of the different labels. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because I can always remember one of the PTSD counsellors that I went to through WorkCover, I remember I'd maybe got 10 minutes into it and I was very damaged at the time. Yes. And I can remember this particular lady putting her hand up like a stop sign. Yeah. And she said, sorry, Narelle, I, I cannot do this. Yeah. 
And I thought that was really unusual, but but also it actually validated to me how bad what I had experienced was. I mean, that sounds bizarre, I know, but I always remember thinking, boy, it must be bad because this lady couldn't hear it. But what you're saying is that actually probably happens quite a bit more than we think it does. Yes, that's uh, absolutely right. And um, uh, I'd say I take my hat off to that practitioner because she realized her limitations. Um, mm. And many people, um, they don't realize that they have limitations when working with, uh, with clients that have experienced trauma. Um, so perhaps it was that um, your experience was so horrific for her uh, or perhaps it was that she realized that she was not equipped to actually deal um, with this, with that particular incident, be it because she had something similar or it triggered something inside her or her knowledge was limited. So um, it, it's, um, it's, it's a very good thing when practitioners know our limitations. That's, that's what I can say about that. Hmm. I've never thought of it like that, but you're right. It's, um, yeah, it's something to be admired rather than if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, the opposite, I suppose. So 
Costa with uh, PTSD, how does that compare with other psychological illnesses that you've treated and continue to treat? Well, it's um, it, it's a it's a really fascinating area, Narelle, Um because the the lived experience of PTSD, and we'll stick with that label just for um yeah um, yeah because I, I I I keep mucking it up too yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even though we feel differently about it let's stick with that label yeah yeah um, that's yeah. what the Society of Australia in Psychology does um, it's a the lived experience of PTSD um, precedes thought. And what I mean by that is, um, and maybe that's one of the limitations of CBT with it, um, the, the body starts having the physiological reaction before you have even thought about a trigger or you have been triggered by something. Like it, it happens instantaneously, even preceding thought, because the body is so um, uh, wound up, uh, if I may use that term. Um, so the, the trigger that a person may see creates the um, physical reaction, the physiological reaction of, of trauma before you have even thought about what's going on. Uh, that's one of the most fascinating things about it. And another one that really fascinates me is um, the unconscious, everything that, you, that we experience in life actually gets stored at the unconscious level rather than the conscious level only. And the work that we do um, in psychology or in psychotherapy conventionally only works with the person that is in front of us and their conscious self, what they're aware of at the moment. But the, the traumas and the triggers, all of that stuff is actually stored much deeper within. And um, it's, it's fascinating to actually work with it at the core of it rather than um, just at the, in inverted commas, surface level, I would say. Um, so I find this um, instantaneous physiological reaction that precedes thought quite fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, that's really interesting, Costa, because you're right, and I haven't thought of it like that, that you do your body reacts before your mind does. That's that's basically what you're saying, isn't that's it? That's exactly right. Yes, and it does. It's not something that happens um, with cases like schizophrenia or with um, um, a part- a, some particular personality disorders or with um, uh, conventional depression and so on. Usually, there is thoughts that are attached to the reaction. That's why CBT was developed, um, but with um, with PTSD, the reaction happens and you're going, what the hell just happened? Why am I feeling oh, yeah. this? I haven't thought about anything, but I am trembling and I have no idea what's going on. That's because the body is so wound up already because the, the, the trigger exists at the unconscious level and you're having that physical reaction without any particular, in inverted commas, and underlined reason. You know, that's amazing you say that, Costa. You you have just highlighted something that I have never understood because in my PTSD, one of my, uh, what would you call it, I used to shake a lot um, in my hands where I, to the point I couldn't read my own writing, but 
I had this uncontrollable shake. My leg would shake of a night in bed to the point where it would wake up my husband. And I, I could never, ever understand why why I was shaking so much, like it was uncontrollable. But what you're just saying makes a whole amount of sense because, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, let's take it a step further. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in this, the shaking that, um, that you've mentioned, that's actually um, the, the body's um, response or process of letting go of trauma. Um, trauma gets stored inside the, the cells. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen um, animals, whenever they get into a, a situation where they're, they're fighting one another or they've experienced extreme fear, they go off and then they start shaking. That's the parasympathetic nervous system actually trying to release the trauma that is stored inside the body. And people who have experienced um, trauma and have PTSD, whenever they're triggered, I see that this is actually one of the things that is taking place. Um, okay. Uh, some people's yeah. legs are shaking, hands are shaking. Some people's entire, entire bodies are shaking. That is actually the, the body trying to release it through the shaking process because it's stored inside. So you, the experience that you said about yourself when you were lying mm. in bed, your body was actually trying to release what has been stored inside and um, it, it, it responds in that way of um, doing that particular action. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. So what, what, what are your thoughts on why it seems that there's so many more cases of PTSD now than ever before? Or, or is it just that we're talking about it more? And the reason I ask that, Costa, is because the police that I am aware of here in Victoria, they seem to be dropping like flies. They just are not coping. And so many are going off with stress, uh, with PTSD, Yes. Why is? Do you know? Do you have a magic wand as to why? <laughs> well, look. If I had a magic wand, uh, I would not use it. <laughs> but, uh, um, the magic wand is a thing that people have asked me about many times, and they say, "Look, if um, if you were to work for fifty dollars in order for you to fight, to get earn fifty dollars." Uh, and you were walking down the street and you found $50 and you picked it up, um, which one would you actually value more, the $50 that you worked for or the $50 that you just found in the middle of the street? So uh, yeah. I don't use a magic wand. I actually get people to come and work with me. This prevalence of, um, of PTSD, um, I do, I don't think it's an either-or issue. I think it's a combination of things. Um, and one of them is the, the fact that we're able to speak about it more openly these days. Um, mm. That's part of it. Another part may be the fact that um, demands of the environment are exceeding our ability to actually cope with them. Um, the thing about trauma also is that it has a cumulative effect, so it keeps on adding onto itself. So the more trauma a person experiences in work, such as in the police force or the armed forces or emergency uh, services, um, eventually it reaches the limit for a person. 
And when we have we live in a society where there is so much stress on a day-to-day basis, our ability to cope with stresses diminishes um, uh, as as the days and the years progress. So I think it's a combination of many different things. And um, something about trauma, there is some research that says for a person to to uh, develop PTSD they're likely to have experienced some type of trauma in their younger years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be necessarily anything um, significant from an adult's point of, of view. It, it can be um, a, a parent that works too much, for example, or it can be okay. you know, um, your, your ice cream dropping as uh, somebody's bumping you when you're three years old. Um, that's a traumatic experience for a child. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if we can laugh about it as adults, yeah. the child uses yeah. it as trauma. So um, some of the research is showing that for the development of PTSD at the later ages, a person has to experience some kind of trauma in their younger years. And we're finding that because of the way our society may be at the moment that um, such traumatic events um, may be happening a little bit more often in the younger years and therefore um, – exposure to more and more traumas accumulates and the person is unable to cope with it. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions on how, say, the powers that be in like the military, policing, prison officers or frontline emergency management, uh, how they can manage the onslaught of this PTSD it, phenomena almost? <laughs> it's, um, it, it, it's a serious, serious question and a serious, serious issue. Um, In many cases, you know, education and prevention is better than a cure, they say. Um, And I I, I struggle sometimes to find out how you can prevent um, exposure to trauma when that is your job. I mean, the job that um, you guys are doing in the police particularly is not a normal experience. Um, no, no, it's it, it. You guys get exposed to the most horrific stuff that people can imagine, just so that you know I can sit at home and pat my cats or play my PlayStation in peace, protecting me from the from the darkness that exists in the world. You guys do things that are unnatural for the body. I have to, uh, or the soul, or the psyche, just so that I can sit at home and feel protected and and safe. So your experience of the world is so different to what um, people that are not in your line of work experience. And I, I take my hat off to you. And whenever I speak about this with, uh, with Rob or with other um, officers, I, I well up in tears because I, I am so thankful for the sacrifice that you guys are actually making. And I say this from the core of my being, that you guys put yourself in those situations so that I can feel safe. Um, in your work, exposure to trauma is your your bread and butter, so to speak. So, yes. how to prevent it from happening is 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 not to prevent that exposure is not possible unless the entire society and, and globe changes. Now, how can you help minimize it? The minimization aspect of of it does involve a different approach, perhaps, on how to deal with it rather than preventing it from taking place. So how do we deal with it then? How, how can we how can we minimize the uh, 
the trauma or the the response to the trauma, yeah. I suppose, because you're right, that is our bread and butter. That is what we do. Like policing, uh, that's what happens every day, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? With policing, that's what we do. It's, it is our role, as you said. But so, yeah, how can management minimise the psychological damage? Like how do you prevent it? I don't know. Um I think that we can slow down um, is maybe a more appropriate word and perhaps even prevent, that might might still apply, prevent the development of PTSD by possibly having um, a different response to the incidents that the officers are attending to. So, um, for example, a, a debrief, I am sure, uh, takes place um, in incidents. And I know for a fact that um, organizations such as Phoenix are doing a wonderful job in providing support services for the officers when they attend serious incidents. Um, what I would be suggesting is um, that when a, when a traumatic incident is being attended to by the police officer, to not only come and debrief about it, um, because the debriefing itself does help, but to also take it a step further and using specific techniques to actually uh, reduce or alleviate the traumatic um, response to that particular event. So we can actually, there are ways to um, collapse, if I may use that word, the association between the event that a person has attended and the emotional reaction and physical reaction within just a few minutes. Um, this would involve having a team of um, psychologists or um, trained people to work with uh, every uh, officer um, after such an incident. Because, you know, there, as, you, as we said, this is the bread and butter that you guys experience mm -hmm. every day. So there is a multitude of incidents on a daily basis. And it would require a lot of um, practitioners to come on board and alleviate the emotional response to it. Because, you know, um, uh, I'm of the opinion, and this is shared uh, um, among the world of uh, trauma therapists, some of us anyway, that the trauma itself actually occurs when we detach our natural fight or flight response to that event. That is the trauma in itself. When we're saying, let's put on our, um, our uh, police hat on and um, follow protocol and procedure, when in fact the, body, uh, the body's natural response may be, I want to scream or I want to run or I want to fight or I want to yell or I want to swear. That's, that might be the natural response to the trauma. But in your work, you're not able to do that. So there is right. this kind of detachment from the natural response to the trauma, which seems to be a trauma in itself. Mm. So you're right, you're right, Costa, because what we have to do is even though we could be petrified, we have to put on this facade. And I think we have to in a way because if you have a police person that uh, loses it at a scene, yes or can't manage at the scene, I mean, people are looking at us to help them. Yes. So we have to have this, we have to put up this facade of yes. bravery and strength and, yes. yeah. 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 It, otherwise, you, you, can't, you cannot function in the role that you have. 
Um, no. So it, it is a requirement of you, even though, as you said, your body may be screaming inside or wants to run away or maybe petrified, um, to use your words, you can't actually do this. So that trauma actually gets stored inside the body because you're detaching from the, from the natural emotion or reaction. And when you're experiencing that day in, day out, as I said, trauma has a cumulative effect. Eventually, the person is going to develop PTSD. So a suggestion or a way around that may be at the end of the day, when there has been such an incident, for the person not only to be debriefed, but to practice a, a specific technique um, or tool, which is called collapsing anchors, which is something that um, every NLP practitioner is aware of and some psychological practitioners as well, that actually allows you to collapse the emotion that is associated with that event within just a few minutes. So how do you do So this is obviously the, uh, what would you call it? This is the not secret, but this is how NLP works. Is that right? This is one of the ways that NLP can be used with, um, with trauma. Um, so can you explain that to us? How, how does that, how do you do that? This particular technique, uh, which is called, um, they call it collapse anchor. I prefer proper English and I say um, anchor collapse. <laughs> I switch the words around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Involves um, associating to the particular emotion that the person experienced during the event and touching a particular part of the body whilst they're associating in it and then letting go of that um, touch point when the emotion has subsided. And then what we do is we create a different type of anchor, if you would like it, um, mm -hmm. by um, promoting uh, feelings that the person enjoys, that makes them feel safe, that makes them feel empowered and so on, at a different part of the body. And then what we do is we fire both of those points in the body um, concurrently at the same time, then letting go of the positive anchor. And then we see that the person, when, we're, when they're touching the part of the body that they had associated with a, with a negative emotion or the negative event, suddenly they no longer have that reaction. And I, I've had this done on myself with a particular incident that I experienced um, in my personal life that I was unable to shake off. Um, mm. so I, I had witnessed somebody, um, I had walked into a room and somebody was, um, self-harming and there was blood everywhere and so on. And that was a very mm. big trigger for me. So, uh, a practitioner did this collapsing of anchors with me. And since that moment, um, whenever that, ev that event is being recalled, I have absolutely no emotional reaction to it. Whereas it used to petrify me. So that's just one of the very quick tools that can be used um, from NLP for trauma. Of course, there are much more elaborate processes. There is a, a program that is being run in the U.S. at the moment in trial with the U.S. military called the, uh, they call it the RTM protocol, uh, which stands for Reconsolidation of Traumatic Memories. Um, and they're, they're getting ex uh, extreme results with it. Um, and that just involves playing a movie or a recollection of the event in a screen in front of you and then doing certain things with it. Um, mm. there, are, there, are, there is a multitude of NLP techniques and combinations of techniques that can be used for single events. Um, what it is that I've discovered with the help of um, one of my colleagues was a, a process that allows for the 
um, resolution of a multitude of traumas, like 10, 100, 2,000, 10,000 traumatic events, all at the same time, all at once, without the person having to actually speak about them, which Mm -hmm. led to the development of this particular process that we've been uh, trialing with the Victoria Police veterans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.